0: Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Insights in Accounting Insights
1: in Accounting Sponsored by Iris With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett Welcome to our Insights in Accounting show with me, Rob Brown and we have a special guest with us today, it's Lucy Coyne Good day, Lucy
0: Good afternoon, good morning, afternoon it is. Good to see you. uh, (laughs)
1: Welcome. I usually have this slot with Martin Bissett, and we talk about things we've seen in the news or trends that are happening in the accounting and fintech world that are pertinent to our thousands of listeners all over the world. This is our Tuesday show as part of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network with a show going out every day. So it's great to have you with us as a guest uh, commentary, if you like. And what's caught your eye this week, Lucy?
0: Uh, so it's one that we've been chatting about at Mazuma for a couple of weeks, actually. But Quiet Quitting is a, an article that went around probably last month for the first time. Um, and it's not going away. And it's leading some very interesting conversations internally about what it looks like. Do we have any staff that are quietly quitting and we've not noticed? And, and what do we do about it? So I think it's a really interesting form of revolution by employees. It's kind of fascinated me, the psychology of it, I find very interesting.
1: Well, let's start with some basic definitions. For people that have been hiding under a rock for a few weeks and uh, are not sure that we're emerging from COVID, we've had the Great Resignation where people start to recalibrate their lives and think, is this worth it? Whatever that is. How would you define quiet quitting in your book, Lucy? What are the commentaries telling us on that?
0: So quiet quitting, I think, is kind of commonly defined as somebody, basically, it's a little bit like how the, the unions used to work to rule so just doing your basics so just turning up doing the hours allocated doing the bare minimum to uh, not get sacked but also probably not kind of uh, go above and beyond and that's it really so it's a little kind of work to rule it's a little um it's not really transgressive but it nitpicky I suppose I'd describe it as kind of being pedantic about what actually is your job and, and what isn't and only doing that that is
1: well you're already starting to use some negative words like nitpicking and pedantic so we can see what side you fall down on but this has come about in response to the hustle culture you've got to be brilliant you've got to enjoy it you've got to be passionate you've got to put in the hours you've got to go above and beyond you've got to work late you've got to do your stuff on the weekends, you've got to give your pound of flesh and the public is responding to that with this quiet quitting, aren't they? Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, it's interesting Actually, you picked up on my language, yeah. Pedantic, nitpicky, they are quite negative words. But I suppose I view it in a negative way because I don't think... That quiet quitting is the way to solve the problem. So that's kind of, and I'm all for look, I'm a very um disruptive person. I'm all for I'm all for thanks. I'm all for kind of Vibla Revolution. But I think that there are more productive ways of doing it. And I I'm anti-hustle culture. I don't think it's good for it. I've spoken very openly about my own mental health. I don't think that hustle culture does anyone any favors in terms of kind of keeping good mental health. But likewise, I don't think that almost taking pride in doing the bare minimum is the way out of this. I think that what we're what this is doing is avoiding a rich conversation around cultural expectations between employees and employers. And I feel like when people become... This is almost polarising it, isn't it, again? We live in a very polarized world. It's, it's either your castle culture, or you're not, or you're quietly quitting. There's no middle ground there, and I think what it's doing is we're missing the nuances of that middle ground, um, which is where that kind of where that value is going to come in for employees and employers.
1: I don't know if you picked up as well Lucy on the narrative that quiet quitting is something speaks to a sense of entitlement in the middle and, and white collar classes because if you're a firefighter, a policeman, a nurse. A teacher, it is hard to quiet quit. You've got to rock up and you've got to do your job and you've got to put in the hours. But accounting professionals, fintech people, more entitled, shall we say, they have the option as to quiet quit or not.
0: Yeah, and it it speaks to something again, which I'm kind of fascinated in. This idea of, of perceived stress versus actual stress. Like, do you actually have a stressful job or are you making a rod through and back you're not dealing with things properly you're not using all the tools at your disposal um i look at what i do as a living um and i wouldn't say that i'm not at the coal face i'm not out there saving people's lives i'm not shimming up ladders and rescuing children from burning buildings you know and whilst i don't want to say that what i do isn't important i can go to bed at night and my life isn't in any danger um well, unless by my own choosing, um, uh, to to in terms of what I do,
1: there are fewer consequences of you quiet quitting perhaps than others, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, that's one. There. And actually, when sometimes when we have kind of not disagreements with staff, but we kind of do training with staff around why certain things are important, you know, typically around communication with clients, which is you know, I know you speak this language all, all day every day because you're a chartered accountant, but to an end user or a client, that language is scary and terrifying. You need to kind of just adjust that, um. It, it, it. I suppose one of the things we look at is like, you know, you imagine you had imagine you were ill and you went to a doctor and they didn't explain all the lingo they used to you. You left out there frightened and scared. That's the kind of uh, the, the translation you need to do there. Um And I think kind of what you said there about I always think about it in medical terms, because to me, that's the kind of the most consequence ridden kind of industry to be in or profession to be in. You get something wrong and someone's life's in danger.
1: Something's at stake
0: absolutely something very important at stake and not just for that person but their wider network family all that kind of stuff um is that um you know yeah you can't quietly quit that because what you you patient care and it it comes down to that passion and purpose and i've got friends who are doctors and if you've ever well we've all got friends who are you know medics they don't go into it for the money you know they're not doing it because they want to become a rich surgeon they're doing it because they've got a passion for people and what they do so it probably wouldn't even though they're stressed and even though they're um overworked and underpaid for what they do they probably wouldn't quietly quit they probably just quit and leave the leave the profession altogether. um so yeah the the sense of um it's an interesting conversation about entitlement and about the a privilege to be able to quietly quit to be able to kind of you know there's all these jokes around COVID, wasn't there people having these like mouse shifters on their desks to make it look like they're working like you can't do that in lots of professions you can't do that if you're if you're a truck driver or an HGV, HGV driver, you can't do that. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting discussion around company culture, around um, how you how you get buy-in from staff who maybe have you know, checked out a little bit over COVID and whether actually do you need everybody to be super engaged and like you being the biggest brand advocates and raving fans for company, or can you run your company with people who will come in and do what they're meant to do and leave at the end of the day and not give it a second thought and then actually as long as you know that that's fine as long as you know what it's going to do that contract is very clear um so yeah i think it's a very interesting discussion and we
1: talk about discretionary effort which is what you do above and beyond what you're expected to do and in a labor market where jobs are short and there is demand for Uh, Roles, then you can hustle and build your career and uh, accelerate what you're doing. But when there's a shortage of candidates and a shortage of talent, you can do the minimum and still get a job. You can still get promoted. You can still be retained despite not exhibiting any discretionary effort. So there is an incentive, if you like, because what are the consequences? They're not going to fire me. They can't afford to. There's nobody else out there. And
0: it's, you know, this labor market, it it ebbs and flows, doesn't it? It goes a bit like the housing market. Sometimes it's a buyer's market. Sometimes it's a seller's market. And we're, we're at a point where it's very much, it's an employee's market at the moment. You know, your negotiating power as an employee has potentially never been higher, you know, it's hard to recruit talent in our profession at the moment, um, but that will shift and change in the next five years as more people come in, start training, move up, people become hungry, um, and we'll see that go sickly. And then you have to look at Peter's principle. You know, you've know, you been promoted to the highest level of your incompetence, and where do you go from there? Because you can end up trapped because you can't get an equivalent salary or job elsewhere, and maybe you're not that happy doing that anymore. It's not giving you that purpose that you, uh, that, you that you need to to stay engaged in a job.
1: And Lucy, you pick out a piece that's online at Investopedia. We'll put the link in the show notes. And any takeaways for our listeners on what came out from you when you were reading that, just to wrap up this conversation? It's got some interesting stats. Saying that at least half of the American workforce are quiet quitting, which is quite phenomenal. Now the British have been described as idlers in the past, and recently by our Prime Minister as not working hard enough and being productive enough. So, uh, yeah, some interesting stats. But yeah, the key takeaways for you from this piece?
0: Yeah, I think what you've mentioned there really in terms of the um, prevalence of it—that this phrase, what's I suppose horrifying as an employer, this phrase came out of nowhere or soft quitting. They, um, they mentioned it's called there as well. Um, this phrase came out of nowhere, what a month ago, and suddenly, I mean, whether it's just it's a zeitgeist and we've named the thing we've kind of recognised has been happening for a while, but suddenly you see it on TikTok, you see people talking about it, you see all these kind of things about how to quiet quit and how to, and it's become almost a badge of honour in some places that I'm, well, I'm quietly quit, I'm checking out, um, and you know, you do you if that works for you and your employer's fine with it and you're doing that and you're fine with it, then you, know, who am I to criticise? But yeah, I think the prevalence of it is the shocking thing. And the number of people as well, I stat in there about the number of people who are thinking about leaving their jobs within the next year as well. That's a huge percentage of the workforce. Where's the, where are they going to go? Where are they shifting to? Are we going to see an uptick in people starting their own businesses? Yeah, I think it's just that's, our, uh, as an employer, horrifying. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll be talking about it more and more. It's definitely not going to go away. And just while we have you, Lucy, talk a little bit about ProNation. This is a new uh, launch that you're getting into with Carl Reader and Will Farnell. You're excited about this, aren't you?
0: I'm so excited about ProNation. So I've known Carl and Will for a very long time now. We've been friends for a while. And I'm super excited about it because we've all grown relatively large practices, um, uh, all kind of seven-figure-plus. in the same, over the same kind of time period, in three incredibly different ways. So we've all taken very different approaches to whether it's the way we offer the service, like I do with subscription, or whether it's niching, like Carl does with franchising, or whether there's M and A and acquisition stuff, like Will does, or having that technology arm specifically with App Advisory. We've all done it in super different ways, but our end result is kind of going in the in in the same direction. And I find that I'm so excited to be able to work with two people who have approached a problem in a different way but come to a similar conclusion or result and yeah they make me feel quite stupid right when I sit and talk with them I feel like I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room. <laughs>
1: That's very humble of you but you do bring a sentence something to the mix because all three of you actually are not just accounting firm owners successful accounting firm owners but you are mentors and coaches and you have your own following your own community you're very active on social media you want to be a force for good and affect the profession and truthfully there are people out there in your position perhaps that have ran firms and doing it and they have their own little tribe but this is much more powerful than that because three heads are better than one right you're not just following one guru or one way of doing things
0: absolutely three is the magic number rob um yeah but three heads are better than one and i think yeah what i i suppose my um discomfort sometimes with coaching even if someone was just to come to me and only want me to coach them is i'm only giving my point of view and i'm only giving my you know with some of our parts I'm only giving my set of experiences my wealth of knowledge whatever that might be and then you know I'm always very willing to think there's somebody who might know how to do something differently or better than me that might benefit somebody so to have three different takes from three different people I think is so valuable and yeah it's three for the price of one isn't it you you get three people who've been there and done it and we don't always agree that's a great thing we don't always agree on how to do something but from that you take that actually even the I don't know, I, I kind of shy away from the word guru, but even the gurus maybe can't agree on something. And that's maybe a good thing because it shows there's lots of ways to do stuff.
1: Yeah, well, it's exciting. We're going to hear more about it on future shows and there's going to be big launches on social media in the press and everything else. So look out for that. Thank you, Lucy Cohen, for being on our Insights in Accounting show today, talking about choir quitting. Thanks so much for your time.
0: No problem. Thanks, Rob. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents...
1: Insights in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.
0: Giving you the edge, the latest news, analysis, and recommendations in the accounting and fintech world. Sponsored by Iris.